Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Welcome this morning. We are so happy everybody is here. Before I begin with the scripture, I want to let all our young people and young at heart folks know that the Lenten question that you're going to listen for today is, what was the musician playing in the Washington subway? Okay, keep that in mind. Our scripture today comes from Matthew 11 verses 2 through 6. Hear the word of God. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may your Holy Spirit come and speak to us through the scripture and message. May we go out of this place today ready to meet your children and to share your love with them. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. When you hear this scripture and then John's words in the scripture, did it confuse you a little bit? I know it did me. I have read this passage numerous, numerous times in my life. But when I read it this time and was studying for this, this sermon, I had this theological thought. I sat back and I thought, say what now? Because I immediately thought back to Matthew three, remember that? When John comes on the scene and he's dressed in all woolly booger clothes and he's eating bugs and honey. In fact, Matthew three says this, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. John was a cheery fellow and he took his job of heralding the Lord seriously. He sees the crowd, remember this? And the crowd contains Sadducees and Pharisees. Remember what he calls them? You brutal vipers. Then he says that he will baptize with water for repentance but the one coming after him is going to baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit and he will have a winnowing fork in his hand and he is going to separate the wheat from the chaff and he's going to burn the chaff. John was not a warm, fuzzy kind of guy. Remember Jesus shows up at the river after that and he asked John to baptize him and John resists and Jesus insists and then Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends as a dove. And the voice of God says, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. 
So when I read this question from John in our passage today, my thoughts immediately went back to when John came on the scene, preaching with absolute certainty that Jesus was the one sent by God to conquer the world. And now John is sending his messengers, since he is in prison, to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Now what in the world has happened from Matthew 3 to Matthew 11 to cause this doubting question? I think it's important to take a look back to what has happened. So let's start just to the point after Jesus is baptized. Jesus goes out into the wilderness and is tempted by Satan. He comes back from the wilderness and that's when he hears about John being arrested and that's in chapter four. Then he calls his disciples. Then he preaches the Sermon on the Mount for about three chapters. We just had the sermon series on that. Then he begins calling his disciples. He preaches and performs miracles and healings. He calms the storm. He drives out demons into pigs. He performs more miracles and healings. And then he instructs the 12 disciples and tells them, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword that will divide families. And he says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And then he goes on to teach and proclaim his message in the disciples' cities. So remember during all this time, all that's going on, John is in prison. In fact, the gospel of Luke's account tells us this. So with many other exhortations, John proclaimed the good news to the people. But Herod the ruler, who had been rebuked by John because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the evil things that Herod had done, added to them all by shutting John up in prison. John had publicly rebuked Herod Antipas for his marriage to Herodias, which was his half-brother's ex-wife. And that rebuking got him a one-way ticket to prison. Now, the Jewish historian Josephus writes way, way back in 93 AD that John the Baptist was imprisoned in the palace of Machaerus. And that palace was actually built even farther back than that in 90 BC. And it's located about 15 miles, you can see on the map up here, about 15 miles southeast of the point of where the Jordan River meets the Dead Sea. Now, Josephus, in his writings, Antiquities of the Jews, believes that John had already been in prison for about 12 to 18 months when our passage today occurs. And since he was in prison, he became an outsider to the goings-on with Jesus since he couldn't witness these things you know, firsthand. And during this time, word reached him of Jesus' healings, his sermons, his care for the outsiders and the unclean, his encouragement to the poor, and his care for women that society deemed less than and maybe even just property. So why this question from John? Are you the one who is to come or should we look for someone else? After all, I would think the healings and caring for outsiders and being inclusive of women and interacting with Samaritans and the unclean, wouldn't you think too that those would be really great qualities for a Messiah? Well, something that should be considered in this when reading this passage is what the Jewish people of this, this time expected of the one who was to come and what he would do when he did come. When you look at some of the earliest 
um, wording in some of the really, really early Messianic Jewish texts, you see words and phrases that reflect kind of what those expectations would have been. Words and phrases like purge, convict, judge, divide, put down kings. And verses like, he will reinstate Israel among the nations and make the new nation the Lord of the earth. Yes, in those texts, Jews expected their Messiah to be a king, a savior of their nation, rescuing them from foreign domination, foreign control. Once he does this, then he will care for his people tenderly. So when we kind of add that context to those, those words and then apply what John was probably hearing from other people about the one that he had heralded and baptized, he probably was wondering and doubting if he had heralded the right one. This Messiah was just too kind. He didn't show up with a sword in his hand. He didn't fight to restore the Jewish people and bring down other nations. He did strange things, like talking to Samaritan women and letting a woman who was hemorrhaging and bleeding touch him, putting his hands on unclean leper skin, forgiving people gently and going to demon-possessed people and casting out the demons so that they could get back to a normal life. But the crux of this passage, I think, is what Jesus says to John's disciples, his folks. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And now it becomes a little more clear. I believe Jesus is telling John through those verses, this is the kingdom my father intends, healing, love, compassion, good news. It is right here in front of you. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me because I'm not going about this with violence and harshness as it was believed I would be. Instead, I am bringing peace, forgiveness, and love into this world. I am showing you a new way that God intends for God's children. It is not a secret. It is out in the open where everybody can see. Watch me. Follow me. Do as I do. Violence? No. Peace? Yes. Scorn, no. Compassion, yes. Despair, no. Hope, yes. I want to encourage all of us during the remainder of this Lenten season, that includes myself, to look around every day for where we see Jesus' teachings happening in our daily lives, paying special attention to our non-church-related activities. Where do we see people exhibiting Christ-like behavior in our work environments, in our extracurricular activities, in our homes? And yes, even while we're driving and stuck in a commute, folks, that's a tough one, but I promise you it's there because Jesus is there. His influence is shown through the actions of people. 
people we come across in our daily lives. We just have to slow down and appreciate that instead of rushing on to the next thing. We have to take time to appreciate the beauty of those actions in places that not, might not be the places we expect, such as a church. When I was thinking about this, trying to slow down and appreciating some things, I remembered a study that was done back in 2007 by the Washington Post. The Post videotaped and studied about a thousand commuters in a Washington metro station as they encountered a person playing an instrument in the station. Now most, the vast majority just zoomed on by going on to the next thing. A few people stopped and listened to the music that the violin player was playing. And some of them even threw some dollar bills into the case. It seemed like an, just an ordinary day in the metro station, except it was anything but ordinary. The man playing the violin in the metro station was not just any street performer trying to earn a few bucks. He was Joshua Bell, who's a world-class and well-renowned violin, concert violinist. And just the week earlier, he had sold out a giant concert venue where people paid at least $100 a ticket to hear him play. So the question that the post-study author posed here, and others have posed the same question since then, is have we been trained to recognize beauty outside the context where we expect to encounter beauty. In other words, are we rushing by those times where people are following Jesus's teachings and we're not even noticing because we're conditioned to see that more in a context like a church? As Jesus was telling John's disciples, it is right there in front of you. Observe it, pay attention. So based on this post-study, I decided to poll a sampling of people I know and ask them this, to tell me about a recent time that you've observed Jesus-like behavior shown by someone either to you or between people you're observing when you are in a non-church-related situation. And my friends, here are some of the beautiful things that people sent back to me. One of my friends works with a hospice and told me about a time that they were visiting a hospice patient. The hospice's medical director was there as well, explaining the hospice philosophy and what the family could expect and what the, you know, the help the patient would get. And she was sitting on the floor next to the patient's bed. She's being a physician. My friend said this, Near the end of the time, our physician noticed that the man's toenails needed trimming. Why don't you let me take care of that since I'm already down here on the floor? So she lovingly trimmed his nails and massaged his feet. Now, every time I see this patient, he talks about the physician sitting on the floor and taking care of his feet. I've never had a doctor like that, the patient said. Another person sent back to me, wrote back to me and said, it, uh, they were called sitting in a coffee shop. 
and there was a homeless man. It was a cold day and there was a homeless man in one of the more comfortable chairs in the coffee shop sound asleep. Nobody seemed to mind because it was cold outside. He watched as people came and got their hot beverage and their food and then they go on their way until he saw someone come and purchase a hot beverage, their food, turn around, walk it over to the table beside the homeless man, put it on the table, then turn and walk and go on their way. Another person told me about one of their children who had one of their, the grandchildren in a car seat in the back seat and they had had a flat tire. A white pickup truck pulled off the road she said she wasn't lost on that symbolism. It was almost like an angel had pulled over there. The man got out and proceeded to change the tire. This friend said, I am thankful for the stranger who pulled in behind them and with little conversation promptly changed the tire so they were quickly on their way. Another friend of mine was going through a very, very difficult time spiritually. When they went out to the mailbox to get their mail one day and they opened the mailbox and looked in, there was the mail there was also a necklace with just a pendant with the word hope on it. And finally, one thing that I witnessed recently personally, I live on Peachtree Street, which is a very, very, very busy street, as you all know, and there's constant activity 24-7. Across from my balcony down at street level is a shelter bus stop. On any given day or night, you can see the bus stop all the way at the end up there. So on any given day or night, there are homeless people that find shelter in that bus stop. They, some of them are able to contort their bodies to sleep on the three-foot metal bench in the bus stop. All night long, that bright light flashes as the advertisements change in the bus stop. When it rains, there are at least four or five people that open umbrella, homeless people with their broken umbrellas that open them up and shelter behind them as the cars zoom by and shove water up on them beside the road. On the sidewalk beside the, the bus stop are the usual, they're usually about two homeless people. I took this about a month ago. Uh, two homeless people that usually make their beds there on the sidewalk. One day as I was looking out on, up from my balcony, I saw a man and I know is familiar because he walks his dog down the street every day. And he stopped and sat on the bench beside a homeless woman that was in there. He talked with her for a little while. The wind was blowing the right way so I could kind of hear their conversation. And I noticed that the homeless woman took a canvas bag and gave it to him. They continued talking and she reached over and grabbed a few more things, which I recognized were clothes and stuffed them in the canvas bag. As the man got up to walk away and continue walking his dog, I heard him say this, give me about an hour or a little more and I'll have them washed and dried and back to you. I watched for him to return and he did, bringing that woman clean clothes to wear. Friends, that man was Christ to an outsider, to someone who has to live in a bus stop who might wear the same clothes for the entire week or longer, who has to sleep on a homemade blanket bed on the sidewalk, that man was being Christ to someone that day. Jesus came to show us. He gave us examples to follow. He commanded us to love one another. He was open about showing us. There were no secrets just teaching us to go to those on the outside, to be kind 
to be helpful, to be loving in all that we do. I want to challenge us, myself included, and the days to come, slow down. Watch for people who take this message to heart and show Christ-like behavior to others. But know too that others are watching us. When was the last time any of us showed Christ-like behavior to someone? And who, who was watching? Think on that during this season of reflection. This season that leads to one person's ultimate act of love, his dying so that we might be saved and we might be live in his love and his grace both during our time on this earth and when we leave to go be with him. But while we're here, as we live each day, may we each look for opportunities to show Christ's love to other people and may we each slow down enough to appreciate seeing others do the same. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, as we leave this place in a little while and go out these doors, lead us to where we can show Christ's love to others. And may others see us doing that and be inspired to do the same. For we ask this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.